Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast. It's Tuesday, June 28th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We're talking Royals today, and there was plenty to discuss with star columnists Vahe Gregorian and Sam McDowell. The Royals made a few moves on Monday. They traded Carlos Santana to the Seattle Mariners for a pair of pitchers, and that opened up first base for Vinny Pasquantino, who'd been putting up terrific numbers at Class AAA Omaha. Pasquantino didn't play on Monday, but I think you'll see him in the lineup often. We talked about the moves and covered several other Royals topics on a show that started as a Sports Beat Live. Let's get started. Hey, good morning from sunny Kansas City and welcome to Sports Beat Live, our weekly chat and therapy session about the Kansas City Royals. We discuss them with the folks in the media who know them best. And right now uh, on the screen, that's Vahe Gregorian. And I know he knows them really well because he was at the stadium for many, many hours yesterday. Uh, But we also do that with you. Uh, Please send us your questions and comments. And we will talk Royals and Vinny Pasquantino and anything else you want to discuss Kansas City Royals. Hope to be joined later by Sam McDowell. And uh, we're not going to have Lynn Worthy with us today. So Lynn will be back next week and Vahe and Sam will be back next week. But uh, right now, it's just Vahe and I before we get started. And there's Sam McDowell. So good to see Sam. Before we get started, let me remind you that we are presented by the University of Kansas Health System. And you will hear from them later in the show. So Big day at the K yesterday, a lot going on with the Royals. Let's get right into it. Vahe, um, you were in the middle of all the press conferences yesterday. So uh, it's always kind of fun when a, when a newbie arrives to Kansas City. And so it was with Vinny Pasquantino yesterday. Just tell us about his day, his journey to, uh, to Kansas City. Yeah, well, first of all, I'm glad Sam McDowell joined us because I was about to get into the song, just the two of us, and nobody (laughs) wanted to hear that. No, Um, no, it's correct. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, what? yesterday was uncommonly fun, I think, for one of these arrival situations because just some quirky stuff happening and um, not stuff you really would necessarily delve into and what you write, but you sure got into it on Twitter. Sam McDowell and I were sitting in the dugout waiting to uh, uh, talk to people. And Sam looks to his left and points to the glove. And it's Vinny Pasquantino's glove. Um, just just there on the dugout um, with no Vinny around. Um, so, so we took pictures of it, of course, had a little fun with that. Then uh, sometime later, Vinny comes out to claim his glove. And uh, we get to say hi. And he walks off with it. Then about... A half hour later, he walks by and just says, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, <laughs> to no one in particular. Um, and then it turns out he's got very much an idea of what he's doing, at least uh, in terms of talking to us. We had a, uh, a lot of laughs in the 12 or 13 minutes we spoke with him on the field. Um, and I know we shouldn't take away too much of an impression uh, from that, but it, it's consistent with what we've heard about him Um uh, Sort of the word that comes to mind is self-assured, self-possessed, and uh, certainly uh, happy to poke fun at himself and and just carries the demeanor of someone who for whom this isn't too big. 
And we'll see when he actually steps to the plate tonight, right? And this all starts a whole new sequence. But uh, I thought it was it was very refreshing to have someone be so lively uh, upon his arrival. What were your first impressions, Sam? Well, during the during the press conference that Valhe is talking about, he actually wrote uh, Vinny's quote <laughs> on his little note that said, "I have no idea what I'm doing." So my eyes veer from Vinny to. I can see Vahe's notebook that literally just says, I have no idea what I'm doing. The only words on the page, and it's circled like five times. (laughs) But the problem was that was just about myself. Yeah. He wrote wrote that before. All of my notebooks say that. (laughs) He wrote that like at at 10 a.m. So, but – Benny's press conference was the type the type of uh, I mean press conference. I mean, we, we stood out on the field. It was a very informal setting, but it was a type of conversation where, you know, we say we don't root for teams or players, but we root for ourselves, and therefore we should be rooting for Benny to stick around for for several years here. Um, and just incredibly engaging. Uh, I actually talked to the scout that uh, identified him this morning up in the Northeast, Jim Farr. And he said he told the Royals at one point, they called and asked, um, what about his makeup? And he said, well, wherever this guy goes, he's going to be the mayor of that city one day. Um, so his personality, I think, you know, what you keep hearing is that his teammates just gravitated toward him. And it was that way at Quad Cities. It was that way at Northwest Arkansas, um, which, you know, there's evidence there that Vinny's teams win. Um, you know, I mean, his, his teams in the minor leagues won. I know Omaha is only 500 this year. Um, but I think he brings a presence and it's one of the reasons why I argued that it would have been beneficial that the Royals had brought this guy up a month ago, because I think they were looking for the perfect clubhouse situation for Benny, Benny Pascantino. But I think that they were overlooking the fact that he could help create a better clubhouse situation than what they currently had. Right, but they didn't have a place for him. Um, that happened because uh, the Royals traded Carlos Santana to the Seattle Mariners and, and got a couple of pitchers back in return. And we'll talk about that here in a moment. Uh, but what I enjoyed about your coverage of, uh, of Vinny Monday in Kansas City was uh, apparently left a, uh, a load of laundry in the dryer uh, and got in the car. To, to make it down to Kansas City. I hope the laundry made it down today, the, the dry clothes. Well, it was a little unclear um, because <laughs> uh, I, I asked him about the laundry, actually. For some reason, it was a burning question to me. And uh, he did talk about that, that, you know, he was in his moment of calm with himself. He was waiting for the laundry to dry. But then he later mentioned that uh, one of his teammates, uh, since he had no dry laundry, all his laundry was all his clothes apparently were in the dryer. He must not have too big a wardrobe. Um, <laughs> one of his teammates, William Hancock, ironed pants and a white shirt, a white T-shirt for him. And what was unclear to me was whether he took them out of the dryer and did these things, or offered up his own white T-shirt and pants. Uh, I think we'll do be able to do a little more sleuthing sometime when uh, when there's a reason to really go back to the, the day that changed it all or whatever this becomes. <laughs> hey, here's hoping there is a day, uh, you know, we could write about a day that changed it all for the Royals. Um, Sam, what kind of player are they getting in Vinny? You, you mentioned, uh, uh, you know, he winning seems to follow him around. So that's that's really good to hear. Um, 
but statistically he's he's impressive in a couple of ways beyond his power one thing i i've noticed is whenever one of his home runs appears on social media he just uncoils it's it's a beautiful swing and and uh th- those balls seem to get a lot of distance and you know kids running up the hill at warner park to chase down the, the home runs that have landed you know 30 feet beyond the fence so what uh, what else are they getting in in Vinny Pasquantino? Yeah, I mean it's 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 the cliche light tower power. Um, you know he was second in the international league, which is twenty teams of the AAA. Um, he was second in home runs. He was second in OPS, and he leads in RBI. Um, but the most unusual statistic, and I think what gives you the most optimism that his game can translate here, is he has more walks than strikeouts this year. In a day and age when a lot of players have said to hell with strikeouts, it doesn't matter as long as I've got the power. Well, he brings the power without swinging and missing a lot. And, you know, I think there's a ton of indicators that you look for for if a guy is ready for the major leagues. But if that's not at the top of the list, it's in the top three or four items, you know, as far as what are his walks and strikeout numbers. Because that tells you how, how good is this guy's approach at the plate. Does he know what he – does he know – what he's looking for up there, what he's doing up there. And, you know, so I went through because I I found it so unusual. He's got 37 walks, 36 strikeouts. He actually has as many extra base hits as he has strikeouts, the exact number 36. But it struck me as so unusual that I went through the rest of the International League leaderboard. And I think there were 75, 76 players who have at least six home runs this year in that league. And he is the only one who has more walks than strikeouts among that group. I mean, that is how unusual his plate discipline is. And, you know, I, I think it we, – we've all, we're all going to wonder at some point probably, you know, about the timeline of the Royals bringing him up. We all wondered a month ago about the timeline of them bringing him up. And a lot of the feedback that I was receiving was they were unsure about the high fastball. And a couple weeks later, Vinny actually talked about that in an in interview with Omaha Storms Chaser social media – um, that that's what he was working on was, was the high fastball. And um, obviously that, that you know, like I, I wrote, it literally accelerates at the next level. Um, those those pitches are going to be faster and uh, there's some rise to them. We ironically heard Jackson Coar talking last night after his outing that, you know, he's trying to get more rise on his fastball, that there's different elements of a fastball here at the major league that I think he's going to see. And that that's, you know, it's it, it's time to find out how he can handle that. It's time to find out how he can handle it here because we know he can handle it at Omaha. Yeah, you said it, Sam. Plate discipline is uh, what I haven't seen a lot of from the Royals uh, over the last few years. And I'm hoping this rookie class of uh, Vinny and Bobby Witt and MJ Melendez can bring more of that to the, you know, to the club. And another, you know, another aspect is, you know, he'll, he'll have, um, uh, you know, he'll have been influenced by the new batting coach as well. Right. I mean, that's something that these young hitters um, uh, have, uh, you know, all have in common is they have worked with uh, Alec um, uh, Zumwalt. Thank you. Um, And, uh, and I, I, that, I think that absolutely, works in the Royals' favor as well. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, just um, uh, in a in a pointless comment, uh, that uh, there's a, another 
when you talk about his numbers, when it comes to strikeouts versus uh, walks and extra base hits, the, the greatest figure that I've ever heard in that category belongs to another Italian-American baseball player. Joe DiMaggio had, in his career, 369 strikeouts and 361 home runs. So he he homered as often as he struck out. It's the, it's the most incredible stat of all time, you know. Um, and I'm not asking for that from Vinny, but if if he can keep the the strikeouts low and the walks and the the, the on base percentage up, then the Royals will have a gem in Vinny. I, you had you had me at pointless comment, Blair. I, I just uh, <laughs> do we need to preface everything with that now? <laughs> I actually thought that was a pretty neat comment. That's uh, uh, I know you're not putting uh, Joe DiMaggio pressure on uh, on Vinny, but it's 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 it's. it's Interesting to think about how telling that stat is was for him. Why why not put that pressure on him? Go ahead, Blair. Let's do it. Hey, uh, what's, what's interesting on, on that point though, Blair, is the guy that has the best plate discipline on discipline on the team is the guy they just traded. Um, he's also been the hottest hitter in their lineup for the last month. So uh absolutely should have made that trade, but you know, I mean, the Royals have played better for the past couple of weeks, and one of the reasons is Carlos Santana has been getting on base at almost a, a 48% clip. Uh, no doubt about it. I'll tell you what. Um, let's do this. Um, uh, let's take a break here, and we'll hear from the University of Kansas Health System. And when we return, we will discuss the, the, the Santana trade that – uh, that uh, opened the, the the space for Vinny Pasquantino and what the Royals got in return. So let's hear from the University of Kansas Health System. March 4th, 2015, I got out of the shower and felt a lump in my left breast. We were able to quickly uncover that she had two subtypes of breast cancer, each of them requiring separate and unique treatment plans. This is why you come to the University of Kansas Cancer Center. It is critical to be treated by a team of experts in that specific cancer type. If you don't start with us, I think you'll have more questions than answers. Why would you go anywhere else? Back on Sportsbeat Live with star columnists Vahe Gregorian and Sam McDowell and Blair Kirkhoff. And hey, before we get into the Santana trade, I, I do want, let's wrap up the uh, Vinny Pasquantino uh, con- uh, part of the conversation by asking, I'll start with you, Sam, how does this change the Royals timetable for contending uh, out with Carlos Santana and in with, you know, with, with Vinny who, you know, we, we think ultimately will be an upgrade, but, but not right away. So w- what does this do to the timetable? Yeah, um, you know, I don't think it changes much, to be honest. I mean, I, I think this was the th- – there's a handful of moves I think we all could see coming. Um, Carlos Santana being gone, one of them. Um, you knew that it was going to be Vinny or, or Nick Prado up here at some point. I still think we could see Nick Prado, whether it's September or some point here. Um, I just – you know, Andrew Benatini is another one of those guys. You know, what are they going to do with Michael Taylor? He's got an additional year left. So I don't think it changes a whole lot. I will say that the upgrade will be with the bat. We just had a question, and I, I, I can't see the viewer's name anymore about the glove. Carry it looks like. Yeah, carry. Um, the glove is not an upgrade. I mean, Carlos Santana had a good glove at first base, and you know that's part of the work in progress for Vinny. I, you know, I think when people see him in the box, it's going to be 
a little bit reminiscent of the body type of like a left-handed Billy Butler. And so, you know, he, he doesn't have, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of that old, that old school, you know, just masher that the, the, the guy that just can, can get in the box and maul home runs. But by the way, he hits to all three fields. And that's one of the reasons that you see that his average is up. You know, he's not a 220 hitter who's got 18 home runs in the minor leagues. Um, so, but the, the timeline, I just, I think this was one of the moves going into the season we knew was going to be inevitable before the season started. So it doesn't change a lot of how I view their timeline. Um, it's just that it's here now, right? Yeah, I like the, that point, the way Sam put it. Um, it's just that it's here now. And I, I don't know if it will accelerate anything, but I think it will accelerate the part we want to see, which is the development right here in front of us. And um, but it, it also gives me more of a feeling like, okay, it, not flux, but transition is more, more apparent. Um, I think we can fairly well assume that Ben Attendee will be traded uh, it, it may be weeks, but, um, and the reason I bring that up is just sort of trying to get an image in my mind of who's at, who, who will prosper from that with immediate at bats and what, what that will look like, uh, over these last couple of months of a season. Um, and, and honestly, I find it intriguing. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to watching all these phases of development with, with, with these people and, with what the what the piece by piece they're trying to do now. Well, as we often do, we refer to the uh, the building process of the 2014 and 2015 seasons, and you know the the idea that the Royals now have three rookies in the lineup, along with Witt and Melendez, kind of sends us back maybe to 2011, right? With uh, the the young Mustakas and Hosmer and uh, Gordon was a few years, a couple years into it, but Salvador Perez. And it took that team two more years to turn a winning record. And then of course, three years to be a, a, a playoff team and, and a very successful one at that. So that's kind of what I'm thinking about. But it's it's asking a lot for Royals fans to be more patient than than they have been since you know uh especially since like 2018 it, it is asking go ahead sam well i, I was going to say that you know i, I think vahe made a good point that that you built on there blair which is it's time for us to see just what these guys do here and see their development here because of what you just mentioned blair which is the guys that were part of that court all of them except for i think salvi struggled at some point i mean moose and alex gordon of course had to be sent back down uh, we saw Bobby Witt struggle for the first month of the season. We're seeing MJ Melendez in a three-week slump now. Um, it's part of the journey in baseball, unlike other sports, that you're going to have these prolonged slumps. But I think that's even more of a reason to, to bring a guy up like Vinny now because if it's going to be 2023 or even 2024 before this team does make that turn, Let's get these growing pains out of the way now in a season that looks like it's not going anywhere anyway. So yeah, so I'm, so I'm well, forward with that. Yeah. Okay, so willing to stomach another hundred loss season is what you're saying. Sam's been saying this for a while, and I I think it's true. Like the, the careful what you wish for element of this is okay. Get these guys up here. Let's let's get this part of it going. And you, by the way, you may be losing more than than you have been. And I think there's something to that. On the other hand, um, you want to know what you really know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that 
it, it comes down to you've got to play the hand that you have now, not the hand that you thought you were going to have going into the season. And I understand the Royals thought that they were going to be more competitive this year, but the reality is they're not. They're 20 games under 500. So now you've got to react based on where you are right now. And I don't think there's a lot of difference between losing 95 and 105. I don't think the fans think there's a lot of difference between losing 95 and 105. They just want to be better next year. They want to be better set up for next year. And I, I think getting a guy up here now um, and playing the, the lineup that you think is going to be the future core of your team, even if they struggle in the meantime, even if it costs you a few wins in the interim, I, I just think that's the group you have to go with. And Mitchell says they couldn't possibly lose more, in okay. his humble opinion. Okay. They could. <laughs> and, and listen. Uh, and and one Will. The, one of the gifts Sam, Sam Mellinger left me with was uh, always immediately going to the, the old Buddy Bell quote in the middle of the 19-game losing streak saying, don't ever let them tell you it can't get worse. So <laughs> I, I'm on, I embrace that thinking. Okay, uh, the Carlos Santana trade brings to Kansas City a couple of pitchers. Uh, Wyatt Mills, who is a 27-year-older, uh, 27-year-old uh, pitcher, and William Fleming, a, a I think 23, uh, 23 or 24. Fleming's an interesting guy, six foot six, and uh, just uh, an 11th round pick out of Wake Forest. I think last year or 2019. It was, he's only been. Maybe it was 2020. Uh, Wyatt Mills uh, was a third-round pick out of Gonzaga in 2017. So uh, do we think that uh, is one of these guys uh, closer to the majors a better prospect than the other? Uh, Wyatt Mills, William Fleming, what's the word on on those guys, Sam? What, did, what have you heard? Yeah, I think you would uh, give the opposite player for what, what you just asked. You know, I think um, – you know, Mills has already been in the major leagues this year, uh, last year, I think it was, with Seattle. Yep. Uh, I think they're, they think he's a guy who can, you know, help them eat up some innings out of the bullpen and probably sooner rather than later. I, I think we could see that guy this year. Um, Fleming is obviously a, a more intriguing case because he's younger and he's got some really interesting strikeout-to-walk numbers that lead you to believe that there's, there's some potential there. And, you know, he's a guy that's less guaranteed to get here um, but I just think has a bigger ceiling and maybe some more potential. Um, but the interesting connection here is it's an 11th round pick. And, you know, I think when a lot of, you know, I mean, Benny's an 11th round pick, of course. So, um, you know, it's, it's not a guy you usually have high hopes for, but we, we, we've seen one pan out right here uh, yesterday. That is true. Um, and Fleming is the, uh, the number 27 ranked prospect in the Mariners uh, system. Mills, of course, was taken off the prospect list because he, he was in the majors last year and has been in the majors this year as well. So um, uh, so uh, Mills is heading to Omaha and Fleming to Quad Cities, the Royals um, A ball club. So, all right, Carlos Santana for Wyatt Mills and William Fleming. I think the, uh, the fact that the Royals got anything in return for Carlos Santana was a triumph. There, there was a time about a month ago when I, I didn't think they were they couldn't get a bag of balls for Carlos Santana. It's really it's it's a kind of fascinating part of this if you play the long game and how all this is unfolding. Um, you, you'd call this a maybe a minor but but notable net win for the Royals the way the way yesterday came to be right that um, 
they were able to uh, get get this worked out for Carlos Santana. It was funny. I think it was JJ Piccolo, the general manager, who said there'd been a lot of conversations with Carlos Santana's name coming up, and I kept thinking, well, who, or, I figure you guys are the ones bringing it up. <laughs> um, but in fairness, evidently there was a, a little bit percolating, and and uh, they showed a little plate discipline with that, right? Waiting to get get the pitch they wanted. And uh, I just think go ahead, Jim. Well, I, I, to echo by, I mean, the Royals could not have made out any better here, and and it's potential that neither one of these guys makes the major leagues, but. Uh, it, it, it was a little bit reminiscent of 2020 when the Royals traded Trevor Rosenthal for two guys who were also not highly touted prospects at all with Edward Oliveras was like, I, I think at one point he was also 27th and the next year he wasn't even on the list, even though he'd not yet debuted. Um, and Dylan Coleman, who was not a top 30 prospect in the Padres farm system. Those uh, systems only ranked to, to top 30 on MLB.com. And yesterday alone, Oliveras is, um, hitting cleanup and Coleman is like a seventh inning guy now. So um, the fact that they got two even lottery tickets out of this deal when heck, I mean, I'll, I'll put myself in this group. I mean, I'm one of the guys that a month ago thought they should just cut bait on Carlos Santana because it's time to play the young guys, create room for them. However you can create room for them. And they waited and, and, and got a couple of players out of them. Yeah, I think they're still going to pick up about $4 million of, of Santana's salary of this $17.5 million two-year deal, but that's a heck of a lot better than it could have been, and especially if they had uh, cut bait with him a, a month or so, a month or six weeks ago. So uh, good on the Royals. Hey, uh, Sam, you mentioned it a little while ago. Jackson Coar back uh, with the big club and pitched last night. It was a you know, bad situation. Uh, just sort of, you know, the Royals needed some uh, someone to eat up some innings, and that was Jackson Coar. He pitched three and a third, did not uh, give up a run, struck out, let's see, what did it, was it five? Struck out five, walked three, and this was the first time in his major league, his short major league uh, career, which amounts to about a dozen appearances, two this year and, and a handful a year ago, where he did not surrender a run in an appearance. So, just a small step for Jackson Coar, but what was uh, you guys said he was available after the game last night? What was um, you know how was he afterwards? Well, he did work on his fastball, and he thinks that um, I'm trying to remember the order of this because usually you work on your mechanics to help your fastball, and I think he worked backwards and, and said, "I want to get more rise on my fastball, and therefore these are the mechanics that need to lead to that." And he feels that cleaned up his mechanics and. Um, you know, mechanics is something I know fans hear a ton about. It's basically just repeating your delivery the exact same every time so that there's not some flaw in there to where a, a ball comes out of your hand differently or maybe it's obvious to the hitter what pitch comes out. Um, Core for a while has, has been throwing 95 and 97 even, and I think the Royals have felt it plays more like 93, 94, and they've needed to figure out why. And it's because, you know, there's not a lot of action on his fastball. It's straight. It's over the middle of the plate. And so um, the difference is having the confidence that it's going to work in the major leagues because he's had all the success in the world at Omaha in the past, and it hasn't translated. And so he had to stick with the routine that worked in Omaha and now it worked in the major leagues. And I, I think it's a gigantic step for Jackson Coar because 
you know, I mean, when I look at the guys in their rotation now, obviously Lynch is also in that group on the IL. Um, I've always thought that Jackson Cora had the potential to, to be one of those five guys. And yesterday is the first time at the major league level that he demonstrated that. Yeah. Ne- next step for him is leverage situation. Okay. Yeah. Uh, go, go ahead. ahead go ahead. Bye. No, no, no. I, I just, I'm just, uh, I'm curious to see how, how they're going to play out the rotation in the weeks to come too. And, um, you know, certainly reasonable to have more questions about Chris Bubich and and things of that nature. And there, there's going to be some moving parts there, I think. Yeah, that was discouraging last night from from Bubich. And when he gave up the three run homer uh, to make it eight to four, uh, it was after he had gotten two outs and two outs, nobody on, and the Royals. They've developed some pretty bad habits this year. They don't win on Sundays. They don't seem to win series finales, and they can't stop a team from scoring with two outs and nobody on. That's teams are are killing them in in those situations. They cannot close out an inning, and it's 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 baffling. So uh, it struck Bubich last night, and that was uh, I know they wanted to get some more work out of him. On, on Monday against the Rangers, but it, it just didn't happen. Hey, before we get out of here, I did want to get your thoughts on Salvador Perez. His, you know, his absence is opening the the opportunity for MJ Melendez, who, who um, along with Cam Gallagher, will get the innings at the plate or behind the plate. And, you know, and Melendez, when he's not catching, will serve as a DH. He's going to, you know, his um, playing time is, 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 is on the, uh, is on an accelerated path, but, uh, tough deal for Salvador Perez. Is it two months they're saying now, Sam? Do you know two months for Salvador Perez? Yeah, I mean, I think that was the original forecast. I, I, I think that um, I think we'll see him back in August at, at some point. Okay, just you know, listen. I you don't want to be without you don't want to be without your you know your all star your your top guy and all that. But uh, uh, I just. He 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 seemed to want to play through the the original thumb injury, and it may have cost him here uh, by by doing that. Yeah, I mean, um, I know this was a topic of conversation yesterday on on the social media channels, but it's ultimately the athlete's decision whether or not he plays. And um, you know, we see this across teams, we see this across sports, and sometimes the risk. Uh, you see the, the wrong end of the risk, but sometimes, you know, you, you see the right end of the risk. Uh, you know, it, Chris Jones played all year with a wrist injury that required a hard cast after the season ended. And nobody had an issue with that um, because he didn't re-injure it. Um, there's plenty of injuries. And, you know, I, I did a little bit of an informal poll in the, in the clubhouse yesterday. I asked one player, I said, is anybody not playing injured in this clubhouse? And he said, we're all hurt. And it's just indicative of any major league locker room or clubhouse that you walk into. And when actually he said, I said, are you, are you ever 100%? And he said on the first day of spring training and the guy who, who sits next to him said, you were 100% on the first day of spring training. <laughs> um, so they're all playing through injuries. And this wasn't a situation where the Royals tried to hide this. They literally talked about the splint that Salvador Perez was wearing on his thumb. Uh, we all knew Salvador Perez was trying to play through this. By the way, he hit five home runs in those 15 games when he came back, 17 games when he came back. Um, so I, I just think it's a lot to do without 
about nothing. I shouldn't say about nothing, but it's without the context of that this is just a regular, regular occurrence in any major league clubhouse or locker room you walk into. And it wasn't a tear. That's that's a big thing too. It's it's not a torn uh, uh, tendon or Achilles, right? Or not Achilles, but but tendon or in, in the stump. So, all right. Uh, great conversation as always. Vahe Gregorian and Sam McDowell on Sportsbeat Live. And what a f- shout out today to Candy Bolden for uh, producing today's show. Always a tip of the cap to the University of Kansas Health System as the presenting sponsor. Uh, we will be back next Tuesday with Vahe, Sam, and beat writer Lynn Worthy. Until then, take care. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Randy Mason. Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett, and a shout-out to Candy Bolden, who produced today's Sports Beat Live. Tip of the cap to Vahe Gregorian and Sam McDowell for sharing their insights on the Royals. You'll find all of the Vinny Pasquantino and Royals news in today's morning sports edition. Go to liveedition.kansascity.com for more information. Hey, thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC. Sports Beat KC.